Every year, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame receives a new crop of potential inductees. And on our new Count Up Patreon series titled The Ballot, it's our job to discuss whether or not these newbies should become Hall of Fame wrestlers. Hello, my name is Ryan19. Every month, a guest and I will analyze the regional careers of newly balloted wrestlers for the Observer Hall of Fame. Are they day one votes? Do they belong at all? Find out on the ballot every month on patreon.com forward slash countoutpod. Again, check out the ballot on patreon.com forward slash countoutpod. We hope to see you there. You're listening to a Countout Podcast. Welcome to the Stardom Road Podcast here on the Countout Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Scott Edwards. And with me, as always, is my good friend, Trent. And if you're here, you could possibly see us on video once again, because bless the listeners, bless those who uh, have joined us for the first episode of the year, the 2023 roster tier episode, our best episode to date. We greatly appreciate it. So we said, all right, we'll run back the video one more time. And if you're already here, you know what it's all about. The Beginner's Guide to Stardom 2024. But before we get into that, Trent, how are you on this fine day? I'm good. Like, it, it's still technically in the start of the new year. So, like, we're, we're doing the new year stuff. We're doing the guide to stardom, the kicking things off with a bang kind of thing. Even though you're getting away from a bit, we're still hanging on. So, like, I yep. still feel mm-hmm. like it's there's that period post New Year's where you can kind of get away with doing like nothing and you're not wasting your life until you get to like mid February and it's like, oh, it's going to be that year kind of year again. But we're not there yet. So, we it's all not. good. We're not. We are kicking off the year with a bang after the tears, after going down the entire roster and breaking down the entire roster. Uh, we are here to now break down all of stardom and everything you need to know if you're a beginner if you're someone new to the show if maybe you jumped in midway through 2023 and you're like what in the world is going on or or if you just want a nice fresh up and you've been a long time fan that's what we're here for as well we are here to help you we will be going over factions which should be a lot of fun uh breaking down kind of who belongs where and all that good stuff we will of course be going over the championships of stardom a very important uh, part of their history, rivalries and stories that you need to know, especially in the early part of the year, but potentially throughout the year. Now that's just us guessing as well. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what stories are going to unfold. There's usually some big overarching story long-term for that end of the year event, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what that is. We'll go over the major shows of the year as well. The tournaments, the, matches worth seeing and then we're gonna end the show with kind of places that you can go and find uh you know special whether it be important links or important accounts or important youtube channels we are going to give you everything you need to know so that you can dive all the way in to stardom here in 2024 
it's never been easier getting to stardom. And I'm speaking as someone who got into it before it was like easier. They had introduced the streaming service, but it was still a ways off where it is now in terms of quickness of uploading and just general English language support and all of that. So if, you, if you're not in on Stardom yet, but you're watching this video, now is a good time to get going and getting into it. So we encourage you to watch this, hopefully get inspired. And uh, by the end of it, you will know as much as we do, maybe even a little bit more. That would be incredible if we somehow made the sure they knew more. But without further ado, let's get you to You overestimate how much I know. The Beginner's Guide to Stardom 2024 via the Stardom Road podcast. Let's uh, go. Starting off with the factions of Stardom, of course, you have your longtime factions, Queen's Quest, Stars, and Oedo Tai, and then you have your newer factions. Of course, Cosmic Angels has been around for a few years now. Uh, we have God's Eye, and of course, the newest faction, Club Venus. If you've been getting into Stardom, you know that a certain faction is now no longer around which we will be getting to a little bit later on and this is a very interesting time in stardom because it feels like there's as many free agents in stardom that than there is faction members in stardom and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that we understand that this is this could potentially be out of date by the time we even release this uh it is, it is the game we're willing to play for the people uh but trent before we kind of get into faction by faction what should uh, fans know because you know a big thing when you join a promotion like a stardom is you you like you know i think everyone likes to pick their favorite faction mm. right everyone likes to lean into one or the other i know cosmic angels especially over the past couple of years has made a lot of new fans for stardom uh so what do you think people should know before we kind of start breaking them down I think the easiest way to look at it is if you're coming into stardom with a little bit of background knowledge about a couple of the wrestlers, maybe you've watched the Utami versus Shuri match that got all of the praise and the five and a half stars from Dave Meltzer. Maybe you've been recommended matches from friends and you've checked them out and you, you like what you've seen you're coming in. If they're wrestlers that have stood out to you, you can probably safely bet that the faction that they're in are probably going to speak to you as well because everyone kind of represents their faction the the group is a reflection of everyone in it so if you like someone like utami you're probably going to dig this uh queen's quest aesthetic the way they carry themselves conversely if you like cosmic angels if you like tam nakano that group sort of vibes with her personality and vibes with the style that she is naturally you come in you may find yourself drawn to a different faction once you see everyone but it's a pretty safe bet that if you like tam nakano you're going to like cosmic angels if you like sherry you're going to like god's eye so on etc etc we continue now into a faction number one and that of course is stars led by one mayu iwitani the greatest stardom wrestler of all time. Uh, her faction members are as followed. You have Hanan, Momokogo, Hazuki, Saeeda, and Kogama. Uh, this is one of the longtime factions in stardom. Um, and Mayu has been the only leader of stars, which I think is a big uh, kind of important note because that's the only faction uh, of this length that has had one sole leader. 
Yeah, so Stars kind of started out as Sekigun Army and then it evolved into Stardom Army. Uh, that's when it really became more and more of a faction. The Sekigun thing was more just like a, a loose alliance of wrestlers that were all good people and kind of you might see that in Hontai with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Stardom Army then became Stars a little bit after the initial draft in 2018 and they've kept very much the same personality, the same vibe, the same feeling ever since then. And look, a big part of that is, of course, their leader, Mayu Watani and everyone kind of come, that comes in either sort of matches those vibes or just kind of feels a bit more chill about it which you know I think the most obvious example is someone like Azuki who we saw in an Oedo tie a little bit meaner a little bit more rough shot she comes into stars she's still got that in the ring but like she's a bit more chill a bit more relaxed as a, a character and a persona with the stars outfit uh in their history I don't know if stars has ever been this strong which is where I say in 2024, I feel like something's coming to this faction. It's it's been going good for way too long. <laughs> Mayu has not had this kind of luck in her faction in a very long time. Uh, whether whoever it may be, um, I think the excitement of stars more often than not is just their overall wing ring work mm. and what they're able to bring together as a unit. Uh, they're they feel like the ultimate babyface unit of this faction, alongside, mm. of course cosmic angels very different vibes so this is kind of your um you know your more general kind of like oh you know these are the good guys like these are always the good guys while you know the cosmic angels are a little more cutesy and uh you know they play more to the idol culture rather than uh just kind of the the baby face pro wrestler yeah, no, these guys are, I don't want to say generic, but they're kind of the, the starter group. They're the easiest ones yes. to get and understand. The closest they get to the idol stuff are the different colored kind of jackets mm -hmm. and stuff. And you can see in this photo here, each of them kind of have a color that represents them. That is kind of idly in a way you see that with certain idol groups, but that like, compared to Cosmic Angels, it's night and day difference. You, it's hard to dislike stars is probably the easiest mm -hmm. way to look at it. Unless you are a co-host of me and Trent, but I digress. <laughs> Moving forward, we have what I think is more often than not the favorite for new fans, and that is, of course, Queen's Quest, led by Utami Hayashishita. You have the following members in the group, Saya Kamatani, Azumi, who is the longest member of the group. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Hina, Miyu Amasaki, and Lady C. Uh, this group uh, kind of is the... You know, the now with Donna Del Mondo gone, they are the de facto badass group. There's no, uh, they don't have much competition in that case anymore. I think, I think they definitely take the take the cake there, whether it be, you know, holding the giant flag that you see here that Utami brings out or their long, cool robes and so on and so forth. This, of course, was started by Io Shirai way back in the day. You may have heard of her now known as EO Sky, WWE Women's World Champion in WWE. Um, this this faction, you know, it's very much like cool, calm, and collected, right? There's not a lot of character necessarily. You pretty much have to be the coolest in the room if you want to make Queen's Quest work, which is what Utami, Saya, and Azumi bring to the table more often than not. It's very, it's always unique to see the rookies kind of learn from them because it is not an easy faction, I say, to develop it necessarily. Um, you know, there's the 
again, the Utamis who storm through the ranks as part of this faction and ultimately are undeniable. But then you have the likes of Hina, Lady C, and Amasaki who are very unique to this group. And you can see them learn, but it's not the easiest group to learn into. But damn it, they're cool. Queen's Quest, by their very nature, are sink or swim. And that's kind of a context that's been brought in from the very beginning. Io Shirai formed the group, and it was basically her going, I want to pick the best in stardom, and I want to make them the best that they are. But if you can't keep up with me, get out of here. And that kind of legacy has carried on even now that she's gone. It carried on with Momo, and it's carried on with Utami as leader. And the result of that is, yeah, you kind of have to be a certain level of talent to survive in this group. And to get over in Queen's Quest, it's not about being the loudest person or the most vibrant. You need to be the kind of person who can just casually walk into a room. Don't draw attention to yourself, but everyone can't help but turn their heads. That's what Queen's Quest is at their best, and that's what it demands of its talent, which isn't the easiest thing for young people to develop and find in themselves, as you mentioned. Again, it's sink or swim. If you can't pull that off, you're just kind of going to flounder. So it's a challenging group, but you know, at its very best, Queen's Quest is basically peerless. I'd say they have probably the top trio yes. of talent. If you were to compare them to any other faction, uh, I think they win that case as well with the Utami Saya Azumi trio at this stage of the game. Uh, next up, we have the Cosmic Angels. Uh, the Cosmic Angels are a newer faction. Uh, they they came uh, start at the end of 2020 into 2021 when they officially broke off from Stars. When Tam had enough with Mayu Iwatani and wanted to form her own faction, of course, with that came the uh, meteoric rise of Tam Nakano in this company. Uh, that was by, back then with Unagi Sayaka and Mina Shirakawa. Now the group consists of Yunamiza Mori and Natsupoi and the wonder of stardom champion Sayori Ono with Tam, of course. Uh, this group has had a complete transformation since their original form in every which way. Uh, they're also sometimes joined by Colors, which is an outside freelance group. Uh, but they are partnered up with Cosmic Angels. You'll see Saki come in from time to time, so I do think it's worth mentioning them. Uh, but this is the uh, this is the uh, ultimate idol group. This is your uh, prototypical idol group, um, and in many ways, I would argue the most popular faction in Stardom today, um, led by, as I said, Tam, who is one of the most popular wrestlers in Japan these days. Yeah, Cosmic Angels really exploded when they came about. And I think they sort of touched a, a market that there's a lot of stardom fans who also are into the, the idol culture. And Cosmic Angels were able to play into that in a way that really executed on all fronts. Especially the original group with Mina Shirakawa and Unagi. They all bought in straight away with what they were pulling off. Now, as Cosmic Angels since then have developed a little bit. They still do the dancing and kind of the more idly stuff. But it has been replaced with a bit more of a, you know, we kind of refer to them as the workrate angels now. Where This group from top to bottom is probably, like, there's no weak spots here. It's probably the strongest top-to-bottom faction in stardom. You know, when Unimiz Amori is your fourth-best wrestler, that's a pretty good place to be in. And obviously, Tam Nakano in 2023 was a double champion. Uh, Natsupoi and Sarayanu won the tag titles. 
Sayori Inu is currently the Wonder of Sodom champion. This is a very strong faction. Uh, there's no real weak spots, even when colors come in. Um, but yeah, they will grate certain people because they are they do lean heavily into the idol culture, and that is not for everyone. Um, but that is the nature of factions. They all appeal to different demographics and markets. Absolutely. And I think, um, as we've seen, uh, their in-ring has ultimately changed over the years. They went mm. from one one of the most dominant trios of ever in this company they were you know soon defeated right after by the team that they lost to which was Mahime Poi but uh these days they are very uh work rate heavy i'd say with the additions of Yuna Sayori and Natsupoi mm. um it's definitely been a transformation for them uh but they're an easy group to like these days i think when you have the coolness of Sayori the uh over the top character that is tam the likable underdog that is Unamizumori, and the all-around natural that is natsupoi it makes for a lovely group to jump in and be a fan of you could very much picture sari new in queen's quest she does kind of catch yeah. that same yeah. same heart to it but she also feels comfortable in Cosmic Angels, which mm-hmm. is hilarious given the, the more exuberant they can be. But she pulls off that contrast quite well. And, of course, they sing at times because <laughs> Meltier sings. It's been a while. They have released sing. an EP. Very yeah. good. EP. Very good. Very good. Uh, next up, you have your all-heel badasses uh, led by Natsuko Tor. This is, of course, Oedo Tai, a longtime faction. Uh, it reached its top popularity with kagetsu at the top um it of course now consists of momo watanabe former queen's quest leader starlight kid a former stars member and of course the youngings of ruaka and rena and your resident stardom clown fukikin death uh they always 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 cause problems in stardom every single year for another faction they are a key part of a story every year for a faction the last year in 2023 they finally did not succeed for once it had been a while um with how they were succeeding of course momo and starlight kid joining the group over the past few years becoming key members for them uh but this is your heel group this like everyone else has like you know they are either tweeners or pure baby faces Oedo Tide does not change up. They are, and it's not full on heel like House of Torture. So don't you worry. Uh, they do have real matches. And when they have real matches, they can be some of the best matches of the year. Fun fact. Yeah, look, it's important when you're coming into stardom, especially if you're coming from like WWE or AEW or American wrestling in general. Joshi Wrestling and Stardom in this particular situation, they don't typically run the, you are a good person, this person is a bad person, we're going to tell stories between them. It's basically, you are a character, and you will fit somewhere on the spectrum between good and evil, and depending who you're facing, you might lean evil, you might lean good. Oedo Tai is the exception that kind of proves that rule. These guys are always the heels. They are the most villainous crew. Everyone involved are the most villainous members of stardom, even when they're uber popular like a Starlight Kid. They are just naturally, they play the heelish side. Everyone in this group 
except for Natsukatora, have been basically drawn from another faction. Momo was the leader of Queen's Quest. She betrayed them. Starlight Kid was a key member of Stars. She got stolen from them and then basically brainwashed. Fukigan Death was originally Gokigan Death in Stars, got stolen. Ruaka smashed a chair over Maya Watani. Rina just kind of you know, upped and left and so I was like, I'm joining Oedo Tai. This is more my crew. That's what Oedo Tai are. They're a parasite in stardom that just kind of sucked the life out of other factions and tried to destroy them for their own fun. Now we have God's Eye led by Shuri. I think if you got into stardom, it may very well be because of Shuri and what she's able to do in the ring. Uh, this faction's very tricky. Uh, when I say this faction is very tricky, is they have a lot of members, uh, but they also only have four members that are always around. So yeah. uh, you have Shuri at the top, followed by Mirai, who is a key member of this group. Obviously, Mirai uh, left DDM to join Shuri in God's Eye back in the day. Uh, this faction started back in 2022, uh, for anyone wondering. Then you have Ami Saray, who came into the company alongside Shuri as a bodyguard of sorts. You never have to call her that again because we abandoned that pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he needs a bodyguard. <laughs> we, yeah, we have Saki Kashima who joined the group following the Oedo Tai loss in the steel cage match in 2023. We have Konami who is friends with Shuri and she said, this is my faction. Now she's not always around, but when she is, she's oftentimes fighting alongside her faction mates. And then outside of the company, they do have Tomoka Inaba, who is part of the group, but we haven't seen her in quite some time, as well as Nanami, who is part of uh, Pro Wrestling Diana, who we haven't seen in a while either. But these five, specifically the four of Shuri, Mirai, Amisare, and Saki Kashima are your main faction members for God's Eye. Uh, they are kind of now the, repla the official replacement for DDM, who no longer exist. The easiest way to kind of look at this crew is almost kind of like a MMA gym kind of situation. Obviously, with Shuri at the front with her shoot background, that's very key. But Mariah's got a heavy judo background. Obviously, uh, Konami has the kickboxing background. Ami Sarai is a bit more of just a generalized bruiser, but she's adapting that kind of uh, philosophy that is present in God's eye. And Saki Kashima is the exception that proves that rule. And her contrasting the other members sort of brings in a lot of much-needed personality because prior to her it was a little bit more just like we are wrestlers and we do wrestling things Saki Kashima is bringing out the personality of everyone in this group a little bit more and I think making him a bit easier to like and get behind but if you just like good solid wrestling this is a pretty safe group to go with and I mean you've got arguably the best wrestler in the world in Shuri kind of leading that group yeah I think this is like the best faction to get into. I think you nailed it there if you if you like wrestling right if you're if you're all about the in ring stuff uh this is kind of where you go with Shuri leading the way. It's your safe bet um yeah. if there's two safe bets it's I think it's between them and stars, but in very different ways <laughs> very different ways next up we have club Venus uh Club Venus is essentially the international faction um but as you see here if you're watching the video on youtube it is down to mina shirakawa and wakasukiyama who is of course out with injury as of this video uh this faction originally started 
uh, back at Stardom Dream Queendom 2022 when Mina Shirakawa made her return alongside Kazaya Brookside, and you may have heard of her, Mariah May, who is making waves in AEW these days. And that was really the faction for quite some time, the first couple months of the year. And then once Zaya Brookside left, Wakasukiyama joined. And for the majority of their time, it's been Mariah, uh, Waka, and Mina at the helm. Uh, we've had Xena in the group. We've had Jesse in the group. Uh, but none of them have returned after their previous tours. And we are just down to these two. They also have the idol culture, but they do have the international flair that I think uh, if they had international talent in the group currently, it would be an easy way for English-speaking fans to kind of find their favorite faction. Um, But as of this recording, it is just down to Mina and Waka. Yeah, this is the entry group. For any foreigners coming in, there's a pretty good chance you'll end up in Club Venus because you've got both Mina Shokawa and Waka Tsukiyama who are amongst the strongest English speakers in the company next to Momo Kago as well. So it's just easier for foreign talent to come in, join this group and just kind of find their way through stardom with them backing them. It did start very idle heavy. It was a true offshoot of uh, Cosmic Angels in that respect. I think they've dialed that down a little bit just to make it easier for foreigners to fit in. You don't have to be a prototypical kind of dancey, fun foreigner to fit the group. Um, But yeah, it's, it's an interesting group. It's a difficult group to pigeonhole because they are so dependent on their outside talent but when you've got someone like Mina Shirakawa who I think has grown a lot over the past two years giving her a faction like this is a great way to kind of lift her up on a leadership level and a seniority level because she's got a big responsibility much like Anna Kimura did a few years back when she led the international selection faction quote-unquote faction um there's a very real responsibility of being the person that the foreigners can go to and have that support and have that guidance and i mean we don't have a lot of context to work from but just hearing what mariah may has said mina shirakawa is just fantastic in that aspect and now we get to the non-faction members which there's a lot of them so buckle up uh very unlike stardom normally very unlike stars. So we do expect change within whether this episode comes out or uh, after, soon after. But we do want to go through all the wrestlers and kind of give you a quick heads up of where they are. This, of course, is Crazy Star, uh, kind of just a tag team that has been formed since they both joined this company. That is, of course, Suze Suzuki and May Sarah. Two of the very best of stardom in 2023. Very rare to see two prominent stars of this company uh, be so important without having a true home. Uh, And they are kind of the two big free agents besides, you know, the world of stardom champion that are out there. And if I had to guess, Suzu's probably going to get her own group somewhere down the line. Uh, but we don't really know for sure. We just we're just kind of waiting because there's so many free agents. But these two are at least paired together, so you can kind of get comfortable with who they are. Which is, of course, is the name Crazy Star. 
Yeah, a lot of people had Suzu Suzuki pegged for Donadel Mondo, especially with her history with Julia. Now that faction is by the wayside, and we will touch on that a little bit more. It's a lot of questions because she doesn't naturally fit a lot of the different groups. And you know, her position in the company would lead you to believe there's a fair chance she ends up forming her own group. Uh, May Sarah has been sort of you know, flirting with uh, Club Venus a little bit, and it makes sense because she seems to connect with a lot of the foreigners really well. So she would fit that group very comfortably. But again, stardom, it can be unpredictable at the best of times. We are in such an influx of free agent talent, which is we haven't seen this kind of free agency since the beginning of the faction system properly started around 2017, 2018. So this is a very unique situation for stardom. And it's going to be interesting to see how they wander through this situation. There will likely be a new faction that forms and how do they form that group to feel distinct and unique and have their own appeal compared to the other groups we've looked at. It's going to be a fun journey for new fans to join in on. And who knows, maybe you are drawn to the new group more because they are new just like you. Next up, we have the rookies. We have a lot of rookies now here in stardom. Uh, I can't sing their praises enough, but as you see picture here, if you're watching the YouTube video, is of course Yuzuki in the middle, Hanako on the right, and Rana Yagami on the left. Also, uh, among the rookies are Sayaka Karara, who has been, who debuted the same night as Rani Yagami. Um, she is kind of part of the newer trio. And then, of course, Aya Sakura, who has been out with injury. And then we have a new rookie coming up as well. Yeah, look, this rookie class has been really exciting because it's been a while since we've had a strong influx of rookies. You know, we've had Lady C come in, we've had Amiyo Amasake come in, but we haven't had this, like, influx of uh, rookies in a long time. And it feels like they sort of, when they're all in at the same time, it pushes them to be better because they have a comparison point, you know. Yuzuki comes in, she's instantly compared to Hanako, and when you've got two who debuted on the same night, they're naturally going to be sort of put up against each other in their progress. So it's a, it's a healthy competition, and it helps that they're all very talented right off the bat and kind of can specialise in different things and, you know, when you are a new fan and you're getting into this kind of thing, one of the most fun things to do is look at rookies and go, which faction will they join? And you can mm -hmm. play along with that game. Um, I, 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 we will kind of go through them real quick here because they were not fully part of the roster mm -hmm. tiers. Uh, Yuzuki, kind of the standout of them all, winning the Rookie of Stardom 2023 tournament to kick off the year, uh, kind of surpassing Hanaka, who did debut much sooner uh, mm -hmm. than her. She is the ace-like figure right off the bat. Um, she is, you know, she's the super rookie in many ways. This is something that Stardom's had through their history, and she is in that spot. Hanako is the powerhouse giant, uh, very easy to compare to Hameka, kind of trying to fill that role here on the roster. Um, and the more that she wrestles against the fellow rookies, as we've seen, the more I think she's starting to truly stand out, uh, because she gets to. You know, she's not just taking the offense of the main eventers and all that. She gets to kind of showcase what she's all about. And they have a little budding rivalry going. Then there's Rani Yagami, who is the MMA style. Uh, she she has the strikes. She has the submissions. She has a really good ground game for someone that's wrestled single-digit matches as of this recording. Um, and then you have Sayaka Karara, who has kind of a 
shocking mixed bag wrestler. And when I say that is like, I remember her first match. I was like, okay, she's going to be like this underdog idol. And then she hit a spear and now she's hitting springboard arm drags. And it's like, all right, I have no idea where she's going to go. Uh, but those are the ones to be excited about. And then, of course, you have Ayasaka, who's a bit of a kicker, striker type, who's been out for quite some time. And the new rookie we have not seen yet. So I will not uh, I will not confuse anyone with someone that uh, we, ha- we have no idea what she's all about. Yeah, basically, it's a very good rookie class. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. And yeah, you joining a company for the first time, it's fun to follow the rookies. And this is a very good group to get behind early. So... Get on the bandwagon. Best rookie class in quite some time. Yes. Uh, first rookie class in quite some time as well. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of been like one or two here and there for the past couple of years. So The last really comparable one is the the Sire combo and Ibuki yep. Hoshi. Uh, not Ibuki Hoshi. Uh, the name not escapes Ibuki, me at the moment. Not Ibuki Hoshi. She's an no, no. Um, Hoshino. Yes, so yes, she, yes, yes. Yeah, she's she's no longer wrestling. And then, of course, this brings us to Donna Del Mondo. Yes, they disband to kick off the year. Really throwing a wrench in our plans to do this guide. <laughs> um, but it, of course, uh, they are all free agents now. After Julia said she wanted to go lone wolf, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know what Julia's fate is uh, as her prospects bring her overseas to wwe sometime in the future at least those are the reports as of this recording i will not sit here confirm nor deny but you don't break up a group unless something's happening uh then of course you have the world of stardom champion micah who feels pretty locked into making her own faction sometime here in the future you have tecla who is not going to be around for the next few months it sounds like as she's going to go home and get healthy uh her body's reached the max she said and but she will be back in stardom down the line and then my sakurai who is one of a kind that is my best way to say my sakurai but it'll be interesting to see how these wrestlers go we know julia's fate but the other three we are kind of awaiting especially the world champion yeah it's it's one of those things we've talked about you generally can't survive in stardom without a faction for too long now suzu and may have kind of disproven that theory but they did get a lot of support early on from micah so it will be interesting to see now like as she's looking to forge her own new alliances and stuff where she's looking for julia wants to do her own thing so she can't really rely on that tecla's not going to be around for a while so she can't really rely on that obviously you've got my sakurai but it'll be interesting to see the direction they go with that does it make this video very difficult to keep relevant and timely yes but you can at least come in and have a bit of understanding about where we are currently and why you will see a lot of potential faction movement or formations in the near future it's not just happenstance there's a lot of reasons building together as to why that is the main reason is there's a lot of talent without a group right now there sure is, and I think that's the what makes stardom so fun right now, truthfully, mm. if you're getting into it, is there's a lot of movement coming. Uh, kind of after a year, very little movement. It was yes. very, it was very un, it, it was not an ordinary year for stardom in many ways, and that is one of the big ones. Uh, the factions pretty much stay put. They can't stay put any longer. There is just way too many people ready to go. Uh, but let's move on now to the championships 
of stardom we are going to kind of give you the one uh the 101 on what to know regarding each title where their kind of placement and of course their champion of choosing and if those change by the time this comes out that is not our fault First up, we, of course, have the World of Stardom champion, and that is Micah. Micah won the title at Stardom Dream Queendom 2023 by defeating Suzu Suzuki in the main event. Uh, she has been on a meteoric rise to this title, but let's talk about that title. It is your prototypical world championship in professional wrestling. It does not overcomplicate it. It is called the World of Stardom Championship for a reason. It is also often called the red belt if you I, I need to preface that because some people just don't want to call it the world title oftentimes if you read an article or you see tweets it's just called the red belt um it has been held by some of the best ever to be in this company of course io shirai mayu utani shuri julia utami Kyrie. the list goes on and on and on it is it is the top belt if you hold this belt you are at the very top of stardom for a reason. And we are in a very interesting year where Micah, someone who, if you told me at the beginning of 2023, was going to end the year as the world of stardom champion, I'm not sure I would have believed you, but that's what makes this so exciting. Yes, the world of stardom championship or the red belt, this is kind of the belt that everyone is aspiring to. It's got an interesting relationship with the next belt that we're going to touch on as well. We will kind of dive into that connection a little bit more when we're talking about that one. But the main thing to worry about, yeah, is this is you. And when you mentioned the red belt, it's not just referred to by fans, like officially it often gets referred to yes. as the red belt amongst the wrestlers as well. So when you're watching Stardom World and you see the subtitles pop up, it is often just the red belt. Now, it's easy mm -hmm. to see why the strap is red, um, but it carries on kind of that legacy of AJW who had kind of the red belt as well. That's a bit of historical connection. The easiest way to put it is this is the belt of technique. All of the best in-ring performers, in-ring wrestlers are trying to win this championship because it is the epitome of what it means to be the best wrestler. Why am I focusing on that? Well, you'll understand when we talk about the next championship. Yeah, uh, the last thing I'll add is this is all about the main eventers. Uh, the, yes. the the top of the top wrestle for this title in stardom. You are not going to see uh, someone that they don't believe in challenge for this title. It is a very much protected belt in that case. And when you do get to challenge for this belt, uh, they see you in a certain light, which is very important. It's something you should remember as we see these challenges coming up in the coming months. Your favorite might not win this championship. I'm speaking from experience. Speaking of maybe not winning this championship, we have the Wonder of Stardom Championship uh, held by Sayori Ano, winning the title again at Stardom Dream Queen at the end of the year. This, much like how the other belt was called the Red Belt, this is very simple. It is called the White Belt because it is the white strap. Uh, this is not your prototypical secondary belt. Uh, I, I love always explaining this to new fans of stardom or to people that don't watch stardom. It's like, oh, it's like the uh, uh, the intercontinent. No, it's not. So stop. It's it's not. It's very different. It is a belt about story. It is a belt about character. It is a belt that you don't need to be the greatest in-ring technician to hold it. Now, yes, some of the best in-ring wrestlers in stardom history have held this belt, uh, but it is a belt that I think 
your favorite Ken dream to get, your favorite Ken hope to get. In Trent's case, that doesn't always happen. Uh, but it is it is it is my favorite belt in wrestling because of its uniqueness, because of its importance, despite not being the world title. Yeah, this belt has an interesting situation because it's natural to look at it as the Intercontinental Championship in stardom. The reality is the difference in levels between this belt and the World of Stardom Championship is almost negligible at times. You know, oftentimes the white belt champion is maybe a bigger star or a bigger wrestler than the red belt champion. Sometimes it main events over the red belt because it's just deemed more important in that situation. It is a mixture of the red belt is about technique, the white belt is about passion and emotion. Um, it is one of those things that can be difficult to understand when you're coming in and you just kind of have to roll with it a bit until you see it in action. Um, and not that I like to sort of plug myself too much, but I wrote an article on this particular phenomenon between the belts because there's something very important to understand the difference of. Uh, understanding the difference between the red and white belt on Wrestle In, um, and what I'm, I draw quotes from Tam Nakano and Rossi Ogawa because they speak quite explicitly about where this belt sits in relation to the red belt. And it is not uh, primary and secondary. It is 1A and 1B. Exactly. It, it's, and I think the best thing you, you know, could have said is that it is a title that uh, can main event, right? Yes. It can main event over the World of Stardom Championship. Uh, prior to All Star Grand Queendom that happened in 2023, one of Stardom's biggest shows ever, All Star Dream Queendom uh, was main evented by the Wonder of Stardom Championship. So mm -hmm. that kind of uh, gives you. A mindset. Uh, one great quote is from the original champion, Zuki Aikawa. Um, this was with my interview with her, so I will have a cheap plug as well. <laughs> um, she said she saw she thought of the belts as a symbol of her. You know, the world title, the world title is the world title, right? You can't change that. But the wonder of title is one that many wrestlers have said, like, you put your colors into that belt. It's a white canvas that you make your own. Um so many different wrestlers have worn it, she said. It's packed so full of feelings of all sorts of different wrestlers. It's a really wonderful belt. It symbolizes the current struggles that are going on in stardom. It's a very unique title. Um, and many times the journey to get this belt can be the best stories in the company. Of course, we saw that in 2023 when Mina Shirakawa finally got her big chance to win the belt. So it's one of the greats. It's uh, one of the more... Uh, difficult ways to explain but once you get invested into these two belts you really get a great appreciation for the stories that are being told in very different ways for each yeah and it's, it's fun to see even though you're getting high caliber matches they're telling different types of stories because the belt means different things now sometimes it is more obvious than others depending on who the champions are um, but that is just part of the parcel. So the wrestlers need to learn what the belts mean individually for them. Last thing I'll say is, Ezekiel Kawa did say, it's the belt that she feels best symbolizes start, which I think should say a lot about that title and where it was. Um, especially... also said that in his interview with Emi Sakura. Yes. It, it's a very important belt, people. 
<laughs> there you go. That's how we could have just summed it up. But we wanted to kind of give you all this background information. Make sure you go read Trent's article over on wrestling.com to kind of get the full uh, feeling of both belts and why they are so important to the stardom ecosystem. Next up, we have your prototypical tag team belts known as the Goddess of Stardom Championships, your current champions, of course, Aphrodite, Saya Kamatani, Tommy Hai Shishta. These titles have switched hands many, 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 many times. Uh, but oftentimes, it, like in any pro wrestling company that appreciates tag team wrestling, they can be the best belts going if you have the right champions. Um, and I will say that we do have the right champions now, but they are your tag belts um, and they are they're very important to stardom because some of the biggest and most important matches in stardom history have these belts involved. And tag wrestling in stardom is treated as important and a big deal. This kind of match and this kind of title main event shows with other championship matches. We've seen it main event over the red belt, which again speaks to if you've got the right people in this kind of match, that's what's important. Fun fact with the tag belts, and it's something that, you always see people realize after watching for ages and ages and it kind of catches them off guard. The belts are not the same. Yes, they both have black straps, but one of them has a silver backing with gold accents. The other has a gold backing with silver accents. It's always fun seeing people realize that for the first time. As new fans, I'm going to give you that early so that you can appear smart and switched in and in tune with the stardom ecosystem. Next up, we have the Artist of Stardom belts. These, of course, are your trios belts. I think they are the best trios belts in professional wrestling, and they have been over the past couple years. Uh, they are currently held by Shuri, Mirai, and Amisare, as you see pictured here, just winning them after winning the Triangle Derby Tournament. Uh, if you want to go back and see some of the best Triangle Derby defenses, just go through the 2022 lineup. It feels like every time that these belts were defended, it was a must-see match for one reason or another. They truly can be one of the great pluses of this company. When they have right, the right champions, which you know you could say for any belt, but when they are on the right champions that are defending show in and show out, uh, they can become the thing that you look forward to the most. Stardom does a great job at trios wrestling because that is something that they just do on house shows from a lot. And then when the stakes are higher, you can really get invested. And that's what these belts are. Of course, they are color coded. There's one pink, one orange and one blue, which, you know, some wrestlers. You know, they take specific ones because their gear fits that. As you can see here with God's eye, they did not do that uh, because Ami Sari has the blue one, yet Mariah wears blue. But it is often, a, it's a fun thing seeing which wrestler claims which belt. The colors, they don't have meaning. It's not like the nope. orange belt is the captain's belt. It is nope. literally like, I like this color, so I'm choosing this title. Mm. Um but it is a fun little addition to the lore of the artist belts to kind of follow who has which color. And maybe one day we can go through each color and work out which, which color of the artist belt means you are the best wrestler. Um, but yeah, look, I think a lot of people look at trios matches as kind of like a little bit throwaway, a little bit mid-card. The reality is they are often among the best matches at Sardom Run because they do trios matches so well. These belts used to change hands basically with the change of every moon. 
Now they are a little bit more serious. They la- The reins last for longer. The matches are a bit more impactful. Uh, so you, this used to be a belt that everyone would kind of get a go at. It's not really the case now, but if you are a lower mid-card wrestler, this is kind of a good introductory belt to get into the stardom system of being a champion. You know, you have the protection of maybe a couple of more senior members in your trios team, and you can learn from them and learn the higher stakes of being in a championship match. It's just a fun little thing that I meant to add. I do like that the tag belts and trios belts, they still have the old stardom logo, like the Mm. old, old stardom logo, which is just one of my favorite touches. My favorite world of stardom championship is the original for that reason. I think it just looks, uh, it looks so different from the updated versions. You like the chains? I love the chains. I always love the chains. I think they're just great. But, uh, next up you have the high speed championship. That title is, uh, on its last legs however this belt is very special there's no other belt like this in pro wrestling it shows the best of high speed wrestling which i believe if you show to any wrestling or any non-wrestling fan it will make them interested in pro wrestling of course this title has been dominated by azami and starlight kid over the past couple of years but as you see here the current champion is may sarah um it's a small division, but more often than not, this title can be one of the best parts of uh, a stardom show because sometimes they get big spots. As we saw with the Azumi Starlight Kid feud, it can really uh, take a focus. It can be a semi-main event. It can main event a house show. Um, it's really, or it can, you know, open a show in the best way possible. It's very flexible in what it's able to do. I think, you know, because with tag belts and whatnot, it's a little bit different. But there's a very specific division that challenges for this. Um, it's not a big division, but it's an exciting one. And when you get the right ingredients, it, they're some of the best matches of the year in start. Yeah, look, this is kind of your equivalent of your cruiserweight or X division kind of championship. Mm. It carries a lot of the same ideas and concepts behind it. But Stardom have kind of built themselves in many ways off the back of the high-speed division. A lot of their wrestlers subscribe to that kind of concept. You just have to look at Maya Watani. She basically cut her teeth in the high-speed division. If you're looking at the championship and thinking, why does it not look like any of the other championships in stardom? There's a good reason for it because it wasn't originally a stardom championship. It originally belonged to Neo Japan Ladies Pro Wrestling before that promotion folded and the championship was brought in under the stardom banner and basically through Natsuki Taya, who was the original high-speed wrestler for the division. Um, I don't think the belt has changed since then. You can tell by how old and rickety the belt is. Um, When that eventually falls apart, it will be a momentous occasion, but it's (laughs) still holding on for dear life, and the matches are well worth the belt surviving as long as it can. I will say this picture makes it look a lot better than it actually is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at it like, it does not look that healthy. Um, But it's a great belt. I think it's one that if you're looking to... Get into stardom in a quick form. If you're new to stardom, just check out a high-speed title match. Yes. It's just different. It's just different. Like you, X Division and Cruiserweight's a good comparison, but even so, you watch an Azumi title match, no one in the X Division or Cruiserweight divisions of any company are doing what Azumi was doing mm. with that belt. And hopefully uh, we could see more of that here in the new year with May Sarah now as champion. We have the future of stardom championship 
Pretty simple, folks. This is the belt of the future currently held by Rena of Oedo Tai. Uh, some of the most important wrestlers in stardom's history have held this belt and gone on to greater things after doing so. Uh, it is a belt that gives the young rookies or young wrestlers a chance to fight over something. And it's now is kind of in a new spot. It used to be, you know, the first or second match on a pay-per-view, but they are now main eventing the new blood series, which this is our best way to talk about the new blood series, which is all about the young wrestlers of the Joshi scene, specifically stardoms. Now that they have so many, you will see those shows from time to time. Uh, they are more often than not free on YouTube. So you can get your chance to check those out over on the stardom YouTube channel. And the future of stardom belt is kind of the one that leads the way for those shows. This is in many ways the most restrictive championship in stardom because there are two key rules. You can only challenge and win this title if you are under the age of 20 and slash or have less than three years of in-ring experience. So this isn't a championship that anyone can challenge for. You have to fit under that criteria. And it does mean that certain wrestlers are given the opportunity to shine because they're not having to deal with everyone else on the roster. Occasionally, you'll get a rookie like Itami Hashishista who wins this title and it kind of gets trapped. But I think they've found a good mix right now with someone like Rena, who is gaining her experience, is getting better and better in the ring. But you can conceivably see her lose to someone who's also growing up in the future system. Like the Artist Championship is a good way for a young wrestler to kind of learn the ropes in higher stakes matches. This is another example of that because you are getting sometimes you used to get pay per view matches, now you're main eventing shows. There's higher expectations on you, but at the same time, you are not given main event of a pay-per-view where you're expected to deliver to a certain extent. You are still given the chance to learn and to grow as a wrestler while challenging or holding this title. And the end result, I think you can see it in everyone who's held the title. They all grow by being champion and having to grow into that experience and become better because the expectations are raised just a little bit more and you're demanded to reach that level. And that's a good growing pain for a lot of these young wrestlers. I, of course, don't have this as fact, but I would argue that 2024 could be the most exciting year for the future of Stardom Championship with all the rookies, uh, the growth of Miyu Hamasaki, for example, what Rena's been doing with it, and the New Blood brand seemingly getting, gaining more and more steam, I think, just as we go from show to show. Uh, this could be a really exciting year for that title. So uh, it's one to invest in, truthfully, because I think it's just kind of like, like the rookies, like you said earlier, it's an opportunity to invest in the future, which hmm. is very important for stardom because, you know, you just never know what's going to happen with anyone. and. They get pushed pretty hard, some of these rookies, yes. some of these young stars. Uh, we saw it with Hanan. Hanan had the record reign, and she is now you know, growing more and more and getting into the main spots. It's, it's used as a catapult for the next steps for many of these wrestlers. 
and that's where its importance lies. Like you can learn just doing the undercard tag matches and here and there, but when you're given higher stakes matches, that's the best way to grow and it's a safe environment for them to grow in. So the New Blood shows are a great kind of introductory step. You get to see a lot of young up-and-coming wrestlers. And if you like to be someone who jumps in on the ground floor of someone, it's the perfect place to learn about the next generation in stardom and not just in stardom because they do bring in your outsiders as well who are learning with this young stardom crop speaking of new blood we have the new blood tag team championships newly created in the past year uh very unique to the new blood brand but much like the future of stardom championship is a chance for the young teams of stardom and the joshi world to challenge for these belts currently held by wingori hana and saida uh these have been one of the pleasant surprises i think in terms of adding belts because i remember when they were adding these belts i was like i i don't know if these are necessary uh but as we've seen on new blood they've added a lot to them they've had some of the better new blood matches um and i think tag team wrestling uh, you know for example, with Miyu Amasaki, when she got to get paired with Azumi, it was a great way for these wrestlers to learn together. Um, and these championships have main event in multiple New Blood shows. And they are kind of gaining steam, I think, as some of the more fun matches to check out on these, you know, smaller shows that start and run. Given how important tag wrestling is in stardom, it's one of those things in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense to introduce titles like this because it gives you the same learning experience as the future of Stardom Championship just in tag format. So you're growing as a tag wrestler, you're forming these bonds and connections with other wrestlers of your ilk so that when you are in a few years time, you are prepped and ready to be challenging and maybe winning the goddess of Stardom Championships. Now, these are not like the future belts in that they don't have the same restrictions. So I either would not fall under the less than three years or under 20 category um so it will be interesting moving forward to see the kind of challenges that they get because new blood is one of those shows where it is mostly up and coming youngsters but sometimes you get wrestlers in there who have kind of already outgrown the system but they're still getting yep. their valuable reps and maybe providing a little bit of a highlight name to draw in fans for the new blood shows starlight kid was the original champ one of the original champions of this title and she doesn't really fit the bill of the young up-and-comer because she's already been in the system for so long and kind of has already proven herself on the main roster. It opens up the possibility of what you might see in the New Blood uh, division, but uh, Wingori is a fantastic second champion, and I think they really embody the spirit of the New Blood tag titles. Now we move over to the New Japan pro wrestling side of things that have... <sighs> came into stardom over the past couple of years starting with the iwgp women's championship of course held by mayu iwatani uh you should know if you have ever heard the letters iwgp that is as prestigious as it gets in japan in terms of championship gold uh it is one of the best looking belts in all of mm. pro wrestling i can tell you that right now uh, but this belt is supposed to be one of the more prominent titles in the world. Um, it's a step below the world of stardom championship in terms of the stardom universe, but it still has a uh, high regard. For example, the wrestlers that have fought for this, they are no slouches. Of course, you have the champions that have held this belt, Kyrie, Mercedes Monet, and Mayu Iwatani, and then challengers, Utami Hayashishta, 
most recently Shuri, uh, Tam Nakano, Stephanie Vaquer of CMLL. Is that it? Oh, Azumi and Hazuki as well at Secure Genesis when New Japan allowed this match on their shows in Japan. Uh, that was a fun little time. Uh, but this belt has been through the ringer in many ways in terms of how it's booked and how we're supposed to care about it. But it's been a lot better over the past couple months. And Mayu's had a chance to really shine with that belt around her shoulder. Um, and hopefully 2024 is a much better year for the belt overall. We started off pretty hot, I'd say. It was a little bit of a rough year for this championship. They're still kind of finding where it belongs because it feels like ultimately it was a championship designed without everyone having proper input about how it would be used. And the end result of that has been kind of a bit of a championship that has the prestige in image and challenges and champions, but maybe not in how it's been ultimately presented to the wider audience. When this belt is used properly, it is an exciting championship with top-tier challenges and champions. You can look no further than its current title holder. It's just still finding its context in the wider wrestling world. Maybe 2024 it will find that and we'll be looking back at this time uh, and sort of go, Haha, remember when the belt was still young and kind of naive and now it's this incredibly built-up championship. Maybe we'll get there, maybe we'll not. It's a journey that we're all going to follow and find out. The New Japan Strong Women's Championship uh, originally held by Willow Nightingale of AEW. Originally made for Mercedes Monet, who of course got injured fighting for that very title, and now held by Julia as of this recording. I say that because there is a title defense that she has, and you never know. Uh, but she has kind of been pushed into the spot to make this title work. It doesn't really have a spot, I think, in the world of stardom. I think it has replaced the SWA championship in some ways, but not every way that that title was intended. Um, it has been a key factor on a lot of stardom pay-per-views because, well, Julia is the one holding it. So, you know, kind of has to happen that way. Um, but we've seen the likes of Risa Sarah, you, Azumi, Megan Bain, Hayan, Diana Parazo, Giselle Shaw, Momo Kogo, all challenge for this belt with Julia holding it high. Um, it's it's the mid-card belt of a New Japan world that is defended in stardom. <laughs> yeah, it's a championship that has struggled with its identity basically from day one because it was made in the shadow of the IWGP Women's Championship. And basically from the beginning, people were like, well, what are distinctions? What's the differences? To the point that even the talent were asking that in the ring. Maya and Julia kind of traded funny little barbs about, well, what's the difference between these belts? Full credit to Julia. This is a belt that had struggled even more so than the IWGP Women's Championship in many ways. But Julia's done everything she can to make this belt feel important. She's defended it a lot. She's defended it a lot in America. She's defended it in Japan against a, a cavalcade of talented wrestlers from various sort of backgrounds and stuff. They've done kind of everything they can to make this belt feel important. Its future is still up in the air. It's a bit of a mystery because we don't know what the long-term future of the New Japan Strong brand is. Until then, 
it'll be interesting to see what this belt is like post Julia whenever she does eventually drop it. The one good thing is you do get some good matches out of this championship. It helps when you've got someone like Julia as champion. Rivalries and stories to know heading into 2024. This will be pretty quick. We're just kind of giving you the background on a few stories that we feel will be important throughout this year. And we'll start with Julia and Tam Nakano, one of the most storied rivalries in stardom history. We bring this up not only because of Julia's immediate and long-term future, but Tam Nakano also has a big question mark around her and her return that is coming sometime later in the spring, as she said. Um, it's very interesting to kind of look at where we are now with these two. Uh, but we'll talk about their feud first before kind of breaking off to expectations for Tam's return and the story with that. Uh, the this has been the top rivalry of stardom since pretty much Julia joined the company. It took a few months for these two to meet up. Obviously, certain things happened in the world of stardom that led these two to one another. Uh, but they have been destined to fight ever since. They main evented All Star Dream Queendom, All Star Grand Queendom. Uh, they were the finals of the 2022 five-star Grand Prix. And don't you worry, they have many more matches than just those. Uh, but it has been the main story for years now between these two. Uh, Julia won the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Tam took that belt from her. Julia won the World of Stardom Championship. Tam took that belt from her. But Julia, of course, does have the laugh of winning the five-star Grand Prix over her at the very least. But this is... This is a rivalry everyone should know because something tells me we're going to get it one more time before Julia heads to Stanford. If you need to know how big this feud has been, you just have to look at All-Star Dream Queendom. Um, when these two main evented and it was a title versus hair match, which you know in Japan they don't bust that out for just anything. It kind of delved into the emotion of the story, the depth of the story. And that was just one of the chapters in this story. It's you know, their factions that they've led have intersected against each other. Donna Del Mondo versus Cosmic Angels. They've taken up the war because of their leaders and people have defected and changed sides. My Sakurai left Cosmic Angels to join Donna Del Mondo. Natsupoi left Donna Del Mondo to join Cosmic Angels. And their intersecting feud at the bare bones of it all has been these two and their hatred for each other, which has gone on since the Cinderella tournament of 2020. And it is the distinctive stardom feud of the Bushi Road era and for very good reason. Then, of course, there is Tam and her return to stardom. This is a big story to follow. Of course, she was the world of stardom champion when she went down with injury. Uh, she had to vacate the title and has not returned since. We've seen her once or twice in terms of appearances with the promotion, you know, saying, I am the Tokyo Sports MVP and I will be back and I am the Tokyo Sports MVP and I will be back. Very, very similar promos. Uh, in the two times we've seen her, but she will be back. And she said it will be uh, very, very soon in the coming months. And it will be interesting to see what comes from that. This is someone that has said a million times over the past couple of years that I'm going to retire and that I'm not going to retire. So uh, I'm very intrigued to see what her latest 
run looks like. Yeah, it's very difficult to predict. And obviously you would imagine when she comes back, there will be an intersection with Julia if Julia is leaving the company, which it does look like she will be. But Tam is the kind of person who builds stories and rivalries with the entire roster. And just in the couple of months she's been gone, obviously you've got the story surrounding Suzu Suzuki and the World of Stardom Championship. She's going to want that title back, which is currently held by Micah. The story that was building between her and Sai Kamatani is obviously very important. And Cosmic Angels itself is a faction that is growing and developing and evolving, even with the cha- uh, certain members being out. So her coming back into stardom, it's going to be a lot of focus on it. There's going to be a lot of questions of what direction they go with her. And it's going to be fascinating to follow because when we're talking about stories and rivalries in stardom, Tam Nakano is the best example of how they get executed. So for a new fan coming in, if you want to learn the stardom storytelling way, the best way is to follow Tam Nakano. Then, of course, the feud that we saw pretty much run all of 2023, or at least the second half of 2023. And that, of course, was the feud between Suzu Suzuki, Suzu, Suzu Suzuki and Micah. I'm very tired. Leave me alone. Um, that began as a friendship turn into bitter rivals. Um, you know, had the big five-star Grand Prix match where Suzu won the tournament, but it was Micah who won the World of Stardom Championship. And we bring this up because this is not a feud that is going away anytime soon. Suzu still wants that championship. Micah knows that Suzu still wants that championship. They will meet again, and I do think they will meet again sometime this year. It's going to be one of those stories that intersects constantly because they're obviously, you know, they're crossing paths. And then you've got the situation with Donna Del Mundo. And as we kind of mentioned in the faction section, both of these wrestlers feel like they should be leading their own group. There may only be room for one new group. So probably going to be a little bit of an internal war between these two as to who gets that honor. Now, obviously, Micah is the current World of Stardom champion. Suzuki has had a rocket strapped to her even before she had signed with stardom uh, this is yeah this is a, a rivalry that really carried stardom when there was no one in the company to carry it when everyone was out with injuries these two were the ones who stepped up and really made kept stardom above water basically and it's going to be interesting now that maybe they don't have the same pressure on them to carry in that way just what they can do because one thing stardom does is they don't tell a story and then end a story these kind of rivalries go on for years they have now found each other's arch rival and they will come back to it again and again and again and the story will evolve and develop as their characters evolve and develop speaking of coming back to it again and again and again and again we of course have the rivalry of Micah and Aphrodite, better known as the Golden Generation to some Stardom fans that, of course, also featured Hameka and Saeeda, um, and since has had Mirai added, and it's kind of got scrambled where the there's there are different generations of Stardom, as we saw with the generational struggle mm. uh, that has now lumped Suzu Suzuki into that as well. Um, but ultimately, the reason we bring this up is because Micah is going to have to try and prove that she can defeat Saya Kamatani and Utami, both of which she has beaten before. 
However, when the top title is on the line, whether it be the world or wonder, it's always been Utami and Saya Kawatani that got the last laugh. And as we know, it will be Micah versus Saya Kawatani in Micah's very first title defense. These are stories to follow throughout the entire year. I don't think if Saya loses match number one, that's necessarily her last time challenging Micah in this title reign. I don't think if Utami challenges just once, it'll be her last time either. We don't truly know where this is going to go, but what we do know is that the story of Micah versus Aphrodite is going to be a big one in 2024 yeah the golden generation is obviously like there's a reason why they've been given that moniker and there's a reason why a lot of focus is on that talent and why you have someone like mariah kind of getting put in after the fact or even like unagi sayaka was kind of mentioned as being in but was never officially part of that group back when she was a member of stardom but at its core the three main focal points in the golden generation is Maika, Utami Hashishista, and Sai Kamatani. And they're intersecting sort of stories. Obviously, Aphrodite are a very strong tag team. They've got a very strong relationship. But it's always that battle to see who is better. And it floods in with someone like Maika, who now obviously has that top title. She has long storied histories with both of these members. Utami was basically her door into stardom back when they were mm-hmm. challenging for the future stardom title in JTO of all places. And, you know, her and Micah and Saikamitani is kind of the golden rivalry because that's a duo that just seemed to have magic together. Hey, you know. I named them that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm giving <laughs> that to you. But that gives you an idea of the importance that all three of these wrestlers have within each other. Now, to what extent that story will be told is hard to tell, especially at the beginning of 2024. But it's important to know because all three of these wrestlers are going to be of the utmost importance to stardom in 2024, and naturally their paths are going to intersect. Another fun little story will be Saida, who is a member of the Golden Generation, who kind of fell off the growth of the others. She's really come through with a tear in the latter half of 2023 be interesting to see whether she can ever catch back up to these crew because it's a very tall order. Saida's not a very tall person, but she <laughs> has a hardened spirit to fight to get there. She sure does. Uh, so, yeah, the golden rivalry, of course, will start off Micah's title reign. Micah and Saya Kamatani clash. One of the best combos, by the way, in the company if you're looking for chemistry. And they, they've just gotten better and better and better together. Um kind of naturally it feels like every time they've had a match it's just gone up like in levels right Mm. you know you start all the way back at the future title you get to the cinderella finals then the wonder of stardom championship what what will the next battle look like now that i think they're both kind of at their max potential in many ways it should be very interesting to see and then of course It wouldn't be a podcast with me and Trent if we didn't at least bring these two into it. That is, of course, the rivalry and story between Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani that has been going on for years now. Uh, We did have kind of a speed bump in 2023. Usually we get the next chapter at the end of the five-star Grand Prix, but due to injury, that was not the case this time around. But as we saw at Stardom Dream Queendom 2023, they are very much aware of one another and their story still to this day. Starlight Kid 
of course, is in the driver's seat to potentially win the Wonder of Stardom Championship as she has her title shot coming up. But these two are destined to face off once again. And the story is simple. Starlight Kid wants to get to the level of Mayu Yutani, and doing that means beating Mayu Yutani. And as we've seen in every match since leaving Stars for Oedo Tai, she gets a little bit closer and a little bit closer, but she has yet to reach the icon. Of course, the icon was once upon a time, uh, you know, the one who was teaching her everything as the MK sisters duo when they were part of Stars together. Starlight Kid, the protege, and we have seen over time Starlight Kid try and try to grow, but I do think ultimately one day these two will be back together on the same side of things, but I do think Starlight Kid needs to get that win before she gets there, and it'll be interesting to see when the next chapter happens in 2024. Starlight Kid and Mayu Watani is, in many ways, the longest-running story in stardom. Uh, it may be only next to, say, uh, Azumi versus Starlight Kid, um, because this is a story that's been going on basically since Starlight Kid debuted and has grown and evolved as she's matured as a wrestler, coming under the wing of Mayu Watani, kind of exceeding that wing when she was pulled away from stars initially and joining Oedo Tai, it was such a fascinating period seeing her kind of learn who she is now in sort of 2021, 2022, etc. So it's, it is a story, if you are a new fan of stardom, I would encourage you to maybe go back and look at the evolution of their story because when it does eventually come back to a head, whether it's in the five-star Grand Prix, whether it's over the IWGP Women's Championship, whether it's just a random feud that begins... These two will always come back to each other, and Starlight Kid will not rest until she eventually beats Mayu Iwatani. Iwatani is the barometer for a lot of wrestlers in stardom. Tam Nakano is another one who kind of feels like she will never accomplished everything in her career until she beats Mayu. She's only ever really drawn against her. For Starlight Kid, it's very much the same thing. Uh, only arguably a little bit more personal because of that uh, mentor-protege kind of relationship they had. Whether this gets properly addressed this year or not, we don't know definitively, but it is such an important story that we wanted to include it here because it, it you will see the threads of it throughout the year, even if it's not directly addressed. They always go back to it. That's yep. my thing. Uh, they even were able to get back to it last year without the match actually happening at mm. that final event of the year. That That's why I'm always confident that it needs to be brought up. It's something people need to no, about. there's a lot of passive stories and rivalries in stardom we've only touched the surface on them but like this is already going to be a long video as it is and we we don't sim we simply don't have the time to go through every little nuanced story but these are the ones that kind of may come up in prominence but also i think are important to understand maybe more than any of the others good news for everybody we are now getting to kind of the speed rounds here there's not too many uh, in-depth topics here. We do have the major shows to know mm -hmm. in the stardom calendar. These are kind of just the we know for sure reoccurring shows. <laughs> uh, some of them are bigger than others, but we made sure to include all the ones that have kind of been uh, staples of the past couple years. And that, of course, starts with Stardom Supreme Fight. That is now the anniversary show for this company usually kicks off at the beginning of February. We do know that that will be on February 4th this year, 
uh, when we see Micah defending against Saya Kamatani and Sarah No defend against Starlight Kid. Uh, that is one of their major shows that has been uh, three years running now, I believe. Um, and then we have All Star Grand Queenum in the March, April area. It's now set in March. That is seemingly when we are going to be doing this from now on. That changed pretty much every year for three straight years because we had All Star Dream Queendom in 2021. Uh, Stardom World Climax in 2022 and All-Star Grand Queendom, the biggest show in Stardom history in 2023. And that name is back this time at the Yokohama Buntai. Uh, that's going to be kind of the biggest show of the year. That is now officially the biggest show of the year. And then the big show in the middle of the summer that isn't the big tournaments that we will get to in a few minutes is Stardom Flashing Champions. The first saw every title on the line and you know a pretty cool show in 2022 last year saw the big world versus wonder stardom title match between tam nakano and mina shirakawa so it's a show to look forward to they put a lot of focus on that one way or the other then we have stardom gold rush which follows the five-star grand prix that is the final big show before the year-end events uh the first time in featured Sayakamatani versus Kyrie and Shuri versus Utami Hayashishta, as well as the Gold Rush ladder match stuff that has gone two years straight now. This year, it was supposed to have the five-star Grand Prix challenge before Tam Nakano had, got injured and could not defend. And then, of course, the big year-end event at Goku Sumo Hall on December 29th every single year. And that is, of course, Stardom Dream Queenum. This year will be the fourth edition of that show. You've got to understand, for long-term Stardom fans, having consistent show names and kind of events <laughs> to kind of build the calendar around is a new thing. You just have to look at the uh, March-April period that Scott was talking about where the name changed and World Climax was a two-show event kind of thing, and everything's kind of been growing and evolving. Back when people were coming into Stardom for the first time, they would always ask, which which is the WrestleMania event? Which is the Royal Rumble event and stuff? And there was never an answer to it. Now you have that a little bit more. The main two, if, if you're only going to watch two shows, it's going to be All-Star Grand Queendom and Dream Queendom. They're the big, big shows at the big venues. But these other shows kind of have that element of importance or regularity. I will also shout out the Summon uh, Nagoya show, which seems to be home of the cage matches at the end of June every year. That doesn't we'll necessarily have a, have a locked-in name. In name. <laughs> yeah, but like the... You're starting to see certain yes. staples in the stardom calendar that never really used to exist to the same degree. Whether these are the names that are locked in moving forward in the long term, we will see, but we feel a lot more confident about it now than a year or two ago even. It is worth noting Stardom X Stardom is a show that has lasted since the beginning of time in Stardom. However, the reason we are not including it this time around is due to the expected changes in the five-star Grand Prix. It was mm. happening during the tournament, but of course, after uh, kind of the controversy and many injuries that followed in the five-star Grand Prix, it was announced by... Kadani and the new uh, president of Bushi Road fight Taro Kata that there will be no more big pay-per-views in 
within the big tournaments. So uh, I made sure to leave that off for now. Maybe they just scrapped that all together. But these are the big events you need to know. And like Trent said, the big cage match in the middle of the summer as well. If we had a theme name, I'd tell you, we don't. Uh, this past year was Stardom Sunshine. Maybe they keep that after the success of that show, though. Uh, but let's move forward here to the tournaments. More shows in many ways. And we will start off with the granddaddy of them all. The five-star Grand Prix, your round-robin G1-style tournament. The best women's wrestling tournament in the world. And I think for my money over the past three years, the best wrestling tournament in the world. It is the one that sets up the big year-end challenger for the World of Stardom Championship. Of course, you can challenge for any title you want, technically. But uh, we have fallen into a classic this is for the world while the next tournament we talk about is for the wonder this is the tournament that everyone tunes in for this is in many ways the most important time of year for stardom even over grand queendom because this is when all of the top wrestlers are coming together putting on the best matches it is the most fun time of year to be a stardom fan uh if you are new to stardom and you're joining in around now Consider the next six months a warm-up for the main event, which is the summer tournament. Speaking of a very important tournament to Stardom's history, this is, of course, the Cinderella tournament that has led to the Wonder of Stardom Championship defenses. That is not a tradition. Uh, based off of last year, we do not know where those... Uh, challenges are going to happen anymore but this tournament has been in stardom for a very long time it is the single elimination bracket style tournament uh very unique the matches um are 10 minute time limits you can be eliminated by pinfall submission or over the top rope uh as we saw this past year we got a little extreme with all of that and it definitely took away from the fun of the Cinderella tournament, uh, but based off of the announced dates, it looks like the Cinderella could be down to two dates this year, which is very intriguing, obviously for the potential of that tournament after expanding to three, four dates over the past couple of years, once upon a time, a single night tournament, but with so many big important roster members. Now it has had to expand way past that. This is a great kind of teaser tournament. You sort of get a lot of different matches and you get to see different combinations of singles opponents that you might not normally get to see. And after a few minutes, they sort of do their thing and someone gets eliminated and you're left going, oh, I want to see a proper match of that. So it's a fun little introduction to a lot of the wrestlers in a high stakes environment, but with low expectations of the matches because they just don't have the time and yeah, they're not rushing through, but like there is a set time limit to get through everything. Um, the other key thing with this tournament, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube, the winner comes back out wearing a gown and crown. It is, they are treated like a Cinderella. They now get the glass slipper as well, which is a more recent addition over the past few years. That wasn't something that was always there. But it's a nice contrast to the five-star Grand Prix where you get the robe and the crown. This one's more of the tiara and the dress. So it's two different tournaments. They tend to target two different types of wrestlers. The Cinderella tournament is more about lifting up a younger wrestler, whereas the 
five-star GP tends to more be confirming the next main eventer. Um, mm -hmm. That can change a little bit depending on the circumstances, but gives you a bit of an idea of what to expect from certain champions. We've got two back-to-back -back winners in its history, Maya Watani in the first two years, and as you can see visually, if you're watching on YouTube, Mirai over the past two years. Uh, the tournaments are very fitting for their titles, I'd say. Mm. Uh, you know, th this is, like you said, to lift up a new young star while the five stars for that new main eventer, which, of course, if you're challenging for the World of Storm Championship, comes with the territory. Uh, next up, we have the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, your simple round-robin-style tag league. You know, every company has them. Pretty much, it's nothing to write home about necessarily. It follows the five-star Grand Prix, kind of a low period for stardom after such a busy period of the round-robin, night-after-night, big matches scenario. It's a chance for, I think, as we saw this past year, and we may see moving forward, uh, a lot of younger wrestlers that weren't mm. in the five-star get their chance to really shine. Of course, you see here, if you're watching on YouTube, Micah and Megan Bain were the latest winners. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for a bit of experimentation. You'll see different tag team combinations, and you never know when people will click. And I, I think the perfect example are uh, this year's champions, Divine Kingdom. They obviously had a bit of experience teaming together before the tournament, but in this tag league, you really appreciate what they do together. Uh, another relatively recent development is the award for these, and not just getting to challenge for the tag titles, which has kind of always been there, but you now get matching rings, which has been in for a few years now. And I think that's a another great way to uh, counterbalance the awards that the other tournaments receive. The ring's quite fitting for a tag team group. Next up, we have the two, uh, I won't say newer with the Rookie of Stardom tournament, but it did make its return this year as we saw Yuzuki win that. That is a chance when you have a real rookie class to run some sort of tournament. Uh, we've seen a gauntlet form. We've seen a single night tournament form. It's very unique every year. Um, and this year it did make its return. And then, of course, the Triangle Derby which has also not had a consistency to it within its first two years. The first year was round robin style, and then they did change it to a single night bracket style tournament this year with God's Eye not only winning the Triangle Derby, but also winning the titles as well. Yeah, both of these tournaments are kind of difficult to talk about for beginners because you can't give set information because it changes. The Triangle Derby has taken on two different forms. All we know is it's generally a January tournament because Stardom kind of came out and said they wanted a tournament for each season of the year. So this is the winter tournament. Then you've got the Cinderella being spring, G1 being summer, Tag League being autumn. The rookie of Stardom tournament is dependent on if, if they've got enough rookies. They don't run it every year. They don't necessarily run it at the same time every year when it does run mm -hmm. it's just when they've got a batch of rookies who feel like that you can run a tournament with they'll run it and it kind of gets give them a chance to shine and a new opportunity but it's difficult to really explain because yeah it constantly changes mm -hmm. if they've only got a couple of rookies they might run it differently to if they've got a batch of them or they may not run it at all so as Trent noted, the tournaments are as follows you have the triangle derby kicking off the year now in the stardom uh schedule you have the cinderella tournament uh sometime in the spring uh you know march usually 
You have the five-star Grand Prix kicking off towards the end of summer and July, uh, June, July, August, September. We don't know what the schedule will look like this year. Hopefully it's a little bit shorter, but we will wait and see or hopefully more compact. And then you have the Goddess of Stardom tournament at the end, the tag league, I should say. Uh, so those are kind of uh, the key dates to know in regarding these tournaments. And you will occasionally see them run random one-night tournaments, yep. uh, whether it's to decide new champions or challenges, or just kind of for the fun of it, there might be a monetary uh, prize involved, kind of like with the Gold Rush uh, ladder tournaments that they've had. These are just the main, you know, the main ones to know, the ones that have set names, consistencies, and sort of certain expectations that come with them. But occasionally they'll just be like, okay, we're running a tournament. Yep history that matters for each of mm. them i think that's the best way uh to look at that uh next up we have matches worth seeing so we wanted to help everyone uh if you're a new beginner kind of give you some matches that are pretty necessary in terms of story and some just badass matches that you should very much go out of your way to see we'll start off with the story matches here uh these are the I think the essential matches of the past year in terms of storytelling in stardom, setting us up for the new year that of course starts with the queen's quest versus the way to tie steel cage match at stardom sunshine, 2023. Uh, it, not only was Stardom's match of the year, but it's the conclusion of arguably stardom's greatest story ever told where Utami had to prove to Queen's Quest that she could be the leader that they needed. It is one of truly the best matches in stardom history. It was my match of the year in 2023. I know it was Trent's match of the year as well. And that, of course, the year concluded with the tag title match between Utami, Sayakama Tani, defending against Natsuko Tor and Momo Watanabe. This felt like the book shutting on this once and for all uh the ending of this match is damn near perfect one of my favorite finishes to a match i've seen in quite some time it's the exact way you kind of want this story to end once and for all or at least for a little bit because you know a way to tie always comes back around <laughs> and then the final match is of course the ch- match to crown a new world of stardom champion between Su suzuki and micah it's not the greatest match you'll ever see. It's not the greatest stardom dream queendom main event you'll ever see, but it's very important to setting up what has been this new year and new direction for the company. These matches are the perfect example if you want to get an idea of how stories are told in stardom because the important thing to remember coming in if you're coming from Western background in wrestling, you don't get weekly television shows and you don't get people coming out to deliver 20-minute promos. Stories are told in the ring, they're told in backstage promos, and they're told online in social media. But the best way they tell stories are in the ring through their actions and through their motivations, and these matches all kind of encapsulate that. Obviously, the best example is the cage match because not only was it the best story Stardom have told, but just the story within the match is perfectly executed. You can come in not knowing the history. Just watching that match, you can understand the stakes and the story and the character motivations. It is really one of the most perfect pieces of wrestling in terms of storytelling that you will ever find, not just in Stardom. They do play great videos before each of these matches, too, to yes. kind of catch you up, uh, which I highly recommend. And then we made sure to put together some just great 
professional wrestling matches that everyone should check out. Yeah, look, the reasons we chose these matches are basically comes down to a couple of different things. Shuri versus Saikamatani, oh, Saikamatani, Suzu Suzuki from the opening night of the Five Star Grand Prix. This really gives you an idea of what to expect from the Five Star Grand Prix at its peak. You've got 15 minutes to wrestle, so you have to tell a story really within that certain time. It forces matches to feel a certain way. You've got the overarching story of the tournament itself involved. And it's just great chances to see two incredible talents fighting off. And this is really probably the best example from last year's tournament, just exactly as good as you'd imagine from two wrestlers of the caliber of uh, Suzu Suzuki and Shuri. Then you've got Azumi versus Starlight Kid from the Triangle Derby Finals in March. Uh, the reason we chose this one is because, as we mentioned earlier, the high-speed style that you see in stardom from certain wrestlers is so unique and so special to stardom that when you are coming in for the first time, it's a treat to see what uh, true high-speed wrestling is all about. It's a great introduction to Joshi as well, and I think it's a way for a lot of stardom to stand out compared to the typical kind of main event matches that feel like maybe a New Japan show. This is where stardom really stands out in its own unique way. And Azumi and Starlight Kid are the best examples of that when they go against each other. Third match we picked is Saikamatani versus Suzuki fighting over the Wonder of Stardom Championship also at the Triangle Derby Finals. The reason we chose this is because it's just a great main event caliber match between two very special talents in stardom. And you get the impression of what the Wonder of Stardom title means to both of these wrestlers. And again, if you're new coming into stardom, you don't fully understand the difference between the red and the white belt. Sometimes it helps to watch the matches and see how the stories are told differently and how the wrestlers interact differently this is a great example of that on top of just being arguably the best singles match that started put on in 2023 my final add-in watch the entire all-star grand queendom show yes every single match i even the tag match watch <laughs> every single match because that show is stardom at its very best you have a little bit of everything on that show. You have the big moment of Mina Shirakawa winning the title. You have a high-speed tag that is absolutely killer at the beginning. You have the big World of Stardom title match at the end of the show. Hell, you even got Mercedes Monet on that damn show. It is the must-see show. It is one of the greatest shows in the history of wrestling for my money is definitely one of stardom's greatest shows. So make sure you go check that out. And that's where we bring you to our final little segment here. If you're watching the video, hello, once again, we are back. You haven't seen us in about uh, an hour and a half. So we are, we are still here. You don't just hear our voices. We are still here. We are still active. Uh, but we're here to kind of give you where to go to follow along with stardom throughout the year because I think this is maybe more important than everything else we just talked about, right? You can kind of learn along the way, but you can't do that if you don't know where to go. And it all starts with Stardom World, their streaming service that is that is stardom-world.com. You just type in Stardom World on Google. It's going to pop right up. It's the first thing to go to. You go there. You have everything from the past couple of years. Some of Stardom's history, not everything is unfortunately uh, on there, but you can get a lot um, for very little. It's only about six, seven bucks or so here in the U.S. It's, it's you know, 
it's wonderful. It's the best way to watch all of stardom, especially if you don't buy the pay-per-views. But speaking of the pay-per-views, stardom will release those every single week that the pay-per-views arrive. Uh, you've got to get a special link on Pia. You can follow the Twitter accounts. That is at WWR underscore stardom for the Japanese account. They are the most active account, obviously, for stardom. That is their main account. And then, of course, the English account where you can, most importantly, find those pay-per-view links uh, for the pay-per-view. That is at we underscore R underscore stardom on Twitter slash X, whichever you prefer to call it. Uh, that is, those are the two places that you got to go. You can always follow me. I think I tweet about stardom every day, at least three different times. Um, you can follow Trent. If you want to get some articles about stardom, Trent did this great year in review article over on wrestlein.com for 2023. I think that's a great thing to go read. If you just went through all this kind of see what you missed in the previous year. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see what else. Uh, if you want some like present day stardom podcasts, because we love to help out the friends, uh, you can check out stardom, the stardom cast and stardom quest two different uh, mindsets towards the world of stardom, but both shows love the product and are covered every single week. You can, of course, check out my show, the Five Star Joshi Show. I talk about all Joshi, but stardom, of course, is discussed every single week. Um, whatever is happening, I make sure to break all that down. Trent, what else do you got? <laughs> uh, main thing I want to just focus on is with the uh, streaming service and the pay-per-view, just to give new fans an idea of what to expect, shows will go up on Stardom World generally between three to seven days after they happen. It depends on a few different factors, how many shows they're running, how far away from Tokyo they are. If there's a Kurokan show, sometimes they give priority upload to that. But like you're generally looking at three days to a week. Unfortunately, if you are trying to follow spoiler-free, it is difficult because both Twitter accounts are spoiler-heavy. They post results as they happen. So you've just kind of got to make the decision, are you going to follow the Twitter accounts and be spoiled, or are you going to try and not be as active but follow everything as it's happening? The pay-per-views are 4,400 yen. That equates to, I think, like $38 American at the moment. Give or um, yeah. They will go up live, obviously, on Pia. They then join the Stardom World uh, streaming service four to five days after that happened. So for that kind of price, if you're a new fan, you may want to wait on the pay-per-views and just watch them on Stardom World. It is more for the hardcore fans with maybe disposable income or don't have disposable income, but they don't care. This person right here. Um, but as a new fan, you kind of have to make that call. Also follow the YouTube channel that Stardom have, mm -hmm. especially if you aren't subscribed to their um streaming service because they will upload certain tv shows that show sort of semi-edited uh footage from the matches generally about two to three months after they've happened they are shows that are run on japanese tv they then upload to stardom that's a uh, the youtube account that's a great way to get a good taste of stardom without forking out money and that's also where the new blood shows go up live so again that's important to keep in track because that is a show you can watch live and for free which is a great bonus i'd also recommend following the wrestlers Go follow yes. your favorite wrestlers. I think that's always pretty easy. I think you people naturally do that anyways, but uh, uh, they're very active on Twitter. Um, 
Tam tells her wrestling stories on Twitter, so you might want to go follow her. But uh, it is very important for understanding the stories. It is. It is. They a lot of them are so great at telling their stories and kind of moving it along during the week when there's no shows or even after shows. They're really good at doing so. Yes, you do have to fight the urge to get spoiled if you want to try to avoid that. You can end up like us and eventually give up and just accept it. <laughs> uh, it's usually the best case scenario, but. Uh, hopefully all of this information helps you. Hopefully the beginner's guide to start 2024 has you ready to go for this new exciting year based off the start. Couldn't be more exciting than it already has been. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to what this year has in the world of stardom. Trent, before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Let the people know what you're working on and anything else that you could think of. You can find follow me on Twitter slash X at One Up Culture. That's where I'll post all of my links to podcasts and articles that I write. I haven't got anything currently in the pipeline, but I am intending, keyword intending, that doesn't always come to fruition, is I want to cover the history and story between Thunder Rock, my Iwatani and Io Shirai. That is something I've touched on in a few different areas, but I've not properly dived into. And it's such a foundational piece of storytelling that encapsulates two of the most important wrestlers in Southern history. Uh, so I want to give that its proper due. So it won't come out anytime soon because uh, I've still got to write the damn thing. But that's what I'm intending to work on. So maybe by putting it out in the cosmos, uh, I'm demanding myself to do it. As I said earlier, you can check out the Five Star Joshi Show uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Weekly Joshi Show, talking everything and anything in the world of Joshi. Always stardom. That is never off the dock. That is happening every single week. And I give my thoughts, opinions on everything happening. Uh, you can follow me at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter slash X. Um, if you don't already and you listen to the show, please do if you want. You don't have to, but I recommend it. Um, I'm working currently on an article for Mayu Tani versus Shuri from the January 4th show. Uh, that should be out by the time that this releases. Hopefully, kind of just talking about the beauty of the match. Uh, why I think everyone in the wrestling world should watch it because of kind of bringing together the violence of all Japan women's, the elegance of the stardom main event, and the greatness of an epic all in 19 minutes and six seconds. So make sure to check that out. I have no idea where that's releasing yet. So uh, just follow me on Twitter. That's the best way to find it. Uh, you can also check out every other podcast on the count out podcast network including ring post radio your dose of death and so on and so forth uh i believe okada shorts as well if you want to get your new japan fix um but you know keep listening to stardom road because mm -hmm. the, you go back into our archives we got a lot of content uh we know that's kind of something people do more than check out the newer episodes right off the bat um so please 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 go check those out um it's all designed to be something yeah. you can consume at any time. These mm -hmm. shows that we've done in January are the exception to how we normally operate. These are current event stuff. This is modern stuff. Generally, we cover the history of stardom, and that doesn't typically change. And with that, we can inform you what our next topic is, and that is, of course, covering, feels pretty fitting, the history of Donna Del Mondo once 
they ended. I was like, all right, I know what we're covering. <laughs> uh, we will be going over them for a couple of episodes, talk about their history, uh, you know, the early days of just Julia and Micah and Shuri and how it expanded. And it's, you know, kind of, I don't want to say dying days because I don't think anyone knew they were dying until it just ended. Um, but uh, we'll go over that entire faction and its importance in stardom as what I would say the most dominant mm. faction in the history of the company but i'm tired trent's tired hopefully this beginner's guide to start of 2024 was helpful for you make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel make sure to subscribe to stardom road so you never miss an episode we are out every other week right here on spotify apple wherever you get your podcast for trent i'm scott and this was Stardom Road. Until next time, see ya. Hey, have you guys heard of the new show on the Canat Network, the Ichiban Sweetcast? It's the brand new New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast starring the International Wrestling Grand Prix. That's me, your good friend Curtis Spears. And me, your bad friend Rafe Houston. And we're here to talk about everything New Japan Pro Wrestling reacting to everything, getting worked up, getting very happy, sometimes crying, kind of like like something else we used to do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was the old uh, Okada Shorts podcast, right? Ah, that's right. And if you love that show, you're going to love this show because it's exactly the same show. Yeah, we just had to change the name. Yeah, we, we did. But you can check it everywhere on a social media handle that we haven't made yet. <laughs> yeah, we're really new to this. So <laughs> what you can do is search on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. Look for... The Ichiban Sweetcast. Sweetcast, Ichiban. This has been a Count Out Podcast.